Welcome to the Scottish Paranormal Podcast. We've got Andy McGrillen from That UFO Podcast on the night, and we'd like to like to welcome him to the show. Welcome to the show, Andy. I'm I'm terrified of speaking to somebody else on a podcast with a Scottish accent because I work really hard on mine to to slow it down and speak a bit more posh uh, for for the American audiences and everywhere else. So I'm I'm worried this is going to go really fast, really quick. But yes, it's good to be here. I was I was going to mention that to you after this. You're probably <laughs> speaking um, really really fast Scots, and then you'll need to slow yourself. <laughs> yes, I, it, it goes uh, it goes a hundred mile an hour, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Aye, that's it. So, where where about in Scotland we originally from? Uh, Glasgow, just Glasgow. west end west end of Glasgow. Yeah, for anyone that knows it. Ah, good, good. It's good to have a, a fellow Scot on the show as well. You know what I mean, so especially. Um, we we your podcast as well. Not mean you've got um, some really hard, good, hard hitting uh, guests on your show throughout the time you've been doing it, and it's uh, been really, really successful show you've got as well. Not mean so how often for that for what you're doing. Um, so just just what can you touch on? Uh, what's kind of Andy's origin story? How did you get into this, and how did you? What made you kind of take the jump to start doing the podcast and stuff as well? Uh, so always had an interest in in kind of uh, UFOs and. Uh, kind of mysteries since I was a little kid. Used to love like had loads of tapes and books. Like, I mean VHS tapes on like the Loch Ness monster. Used Aye. to watch all those documentaries. I was the kid that would go to the library and rent out the videos and books on the Bermuda Triangle and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I used to love love that kind of thing. My gran used to tell me a lot of kind of stories and make stuff up. I was never a big fan of ghosts. Still, I'm not a big fan of ghosts. Not that I don't believe them, but just in the sense that don't want to see one. Uh, if it's, <laughs> I, I used to work in a flower mill in Glasgow, and it was a very like the, the a huge old building, and you'd be on night shift sometimes, and you'd hear all these weird noises and bangs, and there was only me and somebody else in the mill, and there was times you would kind of go look if somebody's there, I don't want to see you, if it's you know, <laughs> um, so so ghosts were never my thing, um, just just from a being a scaredy cat point of view, even horror movies, but uh, UFOs, I was really interested in the idea of stuff coming from other planets, as it probably starts off with anybody. Um, from then, uh, when I was about eight, nine, maybe ten, had a kind of a big sighting. Um, well, like I say I was pretty young, and it's one of those. It's just a story because that's that's all it is. But it, it happened. I was there, and I remember seeing it. Um, left, the, I was in the BB when I was a kid, so left the, the boys' brigade one night with my mum, my sister. Uh, my mate and his mum mm-hmm. and it was a kind of 
Uh, for anyone who knows Knightswood in Glasgow, Alderman Road, they might be if they, if they know the area. It's a long stretch of road, really well built up, loads of houses and shops and community centres. It's there's no fields or anything. It's a really built up area in Glasgow, obviously. Um, and we, we left there in a kind of winter's night, and literally outside the the road crossing, just a, a normal busy road, loads of cars and stuff. Looked along at the right hand side, and at the end of the road, like where the trees and houses were, there was like a, a sports centre. It was Laurel Park, it was called at the time. I think it's been taken over since. Mm-hmm. But just like a, a football pitch, and you know, your usual rent the pitches, play fives and sevens, all that kind of stuff. And just above the tree line, there was this huge object that looked like a like a Ferris wheel, but at an angle. Mm-hmm. And it was spinning ridiculously fast. So very quickly, you, you click, oh, what's that? And say maybe this is proper rough estimates i was only a kid but 100 feet potentially high and this is right in the middle of a really built up area yeah um my mum has no interest in this subject whatsoever and she she'll still if i mention it to her now she'll go oh yeah i remember that but i aliens and i'm not saying it was aliens right but there was this big thing on its side just spinning really really fast just loads of lights um and we we looked at it i remember everybody was all what's that uh that's really interesting. It's spinning really fast. It wasn't a fair. It wasn't anything that was on. It was it was spinning like a washing machine would spin. Mm-hmm. And we just went home. Just walked across the road, walked up the road. Never thought any more of it. Well, that, never saw any more of it. There was no mobile phones in the mid-90s at that point. You're only carrying a bit of camera on you. It would have been a big GVC <laughs> camcorder if he had anything. Um, there was no social media, no internet. I mean, like, what do you do? Like, do you go and phone the police and tell them, I've just seen a big UFO spinning in the middle of Nightswood? Um, you, you just you just don't. It's just it was there, and we walked home. Never saw it leave. Nothing. Never heard any more about it. And uh, that just kind of for me was one of those things that, and people will listen to that and go oh, nonsense. But it's 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 been there kind of my whole life. That that kind of story. Um, and that's always kind of I think once you've had you've seen something like that, not just a daft wee light in the sky, you kind of go that there's something else out there, and yeah. it sticks with you. And uh, it, it led to kind of always having that interest in UFOs. And um, December 2019, I was driving back from from what kind of I live in the northeast of England now, mm-hmm. and uh, driving back at a dark night again. It's a country road, but six o'clock, half six at night, really busy with traffic and stuff. And I live next to Newcastle Airport, and there's big fields and stuff like that. And as I was driving along, um, I noticed there's kind of two lights kind of flying, what looks like about to come down almost onto the road. And I just assumed that'd be an aircraft. We're, we're not too far from the airport. Mm-hmm drove a wee bit closer to it and these two lights were still just kind of sitting okay and again I'll, hands up this is before i started the podcast having an interest in ufos any kind of light in the sky if you're the same as me you're kind of looking going oh could that be could that be that's ah, a helicopter it's a plane it's it's a star it's a satellite whatever it might be and then these two lights were still quite low down just maybe 100 feet in the air but less than that above the tree line just you could judge it and uh as i got closer i was getting to the point i was going to drive underneath and I'm looking going, that it might just be the, the angle I'm driving at and stuff and the speed it's going, but it looks like it's just sitting still. And I noticed a white van had pulled over at the side of the road and like a wee bus stop kind of duke it. I can say duke it on this. Oh. And um, <laughs> the, I could see the guy kind of leaning at his window looking up and he's like, and, I, and as I drive underneath the two lights, you notice that it's a black triangle, but there was no oh. light on the front. The, the two lights were on the back. Mm-hmm. Just this, and again, having an interest in UFOs, I was like, just what do you do but i'm on a 60 mile an hour road i missed i missed my turn off ended up driving onto this like kind of looking in my rear view mirror i can see this thing and i remember i phoned my wife 
who doesn't have an interest in it, but kind of, you know, she tolerates it and especially having the podcast and taking up a lot of my time now. And I, I don't know why, but I phoned her and I was like, I just gave her a running commentary and she was like, all right. And I was like, but there's a thing and it's sitting in the sky and it's just, it's just there. There's two lights. And she was like, oh, what's it doing? It's just sitting there. It's no moving. Like I, I'm going to drive back round and I pulled onto this, this guy's kind of wee cottage because it was the first place I could turn. And I, as I pulled on, him and his wife must have, I don't, they, they came out really quickly and I was like, I'm really sorry. I, it's just, um, there's a, I'm just turning around in the road. I missed my turn off and the guy was, oh, no problem. And I was like, there's a, there's a light, there's a triangle sitting in the sky up there just along the road. And I just remember the old boy kind of looked along the road and just, he went, oh, just shows you there's something else out there, doesn't it? Anyway, <laughs> have a good night. And he walked back in his house with his wife. And I was like, my, my wife heard this whole conversation and I just remember pulling the car back out, starting to drive along. And as I drove along, it moved off diagonally over the treetops. But mm -hmm. by this point, a third light had came on in the front and it was like flashing sporadically. Not like a, there was no like pattern to it, like an aircraft has. And anyway, like I say, I'd passed underneath it and it was clearly a just black triangle. It moved over the treetops and I drove along round the corner to see this big expanse of field next to where the airport would be. Yeah. No, nothing, nothing there. You would never have seen the triangle against that black sky if the two lights hadn't been on. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was it. And I remember I got home. I think the more I tell this, the more cliche it sounds, but <clears> I was kind of re reciting all this back to my wife and just this thing and what happened and a guy saw it in a white van and... And she just went, oh, do you know what? You, you, I wish you could do this for a living and just you know, talk about UFOs and aliens. And at the time, Unidentified was on the TV, on History Channel and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, as it kind of hit then, March 2020, and we were about to hit a kind of lockdown and the pandemic and stuff, uh, I bought a microphone um, that I'm using just now with, uh, with birthday money I had, basically. And I was like, do you know what? If I'm ever going to start a podcast, it'll be football or aliens or UFOs. And... Um, I bought the microphone thinking we're about to have a lot of time in our hands that we're maybe never going to have again. Mm -hmm. So now it'll be now or never. And the box, it sat in its box for over a month. And uh, just again, it's the kind of boredom kicked in. And I was still working, uh, like working like yourself at the time as well, um, through the whole pandemic and stuff. I, I reached out to a couple of people as potential guests before I even had a name for a podcast or anything. And oh, yeah. uh, a couple of them get back to us and um, arranged my first interview. And like I said to my wife, if 20 people listen, I'll be happy. And uh, here we are kind of 18 months later. And like you say, it's for some reason, it's, it's been successful. It's going well. And it takes up a lot of my time. But that's the that's the origin story, start to finish. All right, good. It does it does take, I can imagine yourself, because you, you, you do follow a lot of what's happening in American government and basically the Congress and that. I mean, and that takes a lot of time in its own to, to follow all that. As well, we keep them updated with everything else, everything else is out there. Um, or out there, not I mean so. I can imagine. Um, I, I do know myself, but with the time I put into it, and um, we had job and kids and and dinners and everything else, you know what I mean. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's uh, it does kind of did I get me wrong though? It's it, I can imagine it's what you love to look at and what you love to research and what you love yeah. to do as well as myself. Not I mean, so I was pretty much the same as yourself, and I was a kid right into it for for years and years. You know what I mean? So pretty much the same kind of origin story, I mean, apart from you know, seeing the Black Triangle and stuff. Yeah. Going on, on to your, the two sightings you had, so you had mm. the one when you were younger and the one um, more recently. Did yeah. you, apart from obviously the people had seen that, did you um, research, the, obviously you probably did do a bit of research to find out if anybody else seen it or it was um, tracked or anything else um, on any kind of sites or whatever? I mean, the, the, the first one, no, because it was the mid-90s and I was like nine or ten year old and there was no internet, there was no way to kind of, you know, 
what, what do you do? You ask people, do you see a UFO last night? No, are you right, okay? Right. And again, where that first one was, it was, was it like it was up in the sky. It was, it would have been hovering just above the ground on its side, spinning fast. And <clears throat> it makes you wonder about, as I've kind of done the podcast and, and you speak to some of the guests I have and did anyone else see it? Was it just the five of us that could see that? Right. You know, if, if you had been at the end of that street, walking along past that area where it was, mm-hmm. was it actually there for you or other people? And that begs a lot of other questions as to why that might happen and why different people see different things. But um, it was in a very, very, very built up area. Um, like I say, if, I, if it had been 15 years later, I'd had a camera phone in my pocket, or 10 years later even. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one, nah, it was just one of those things and never heard any more of it. Um, again, I'm, obviously it's going back in a 20, 25 years now. The, the, se- the second one in 2019, like I put online on my Facebook, uh, it should, it'll still be there and flashing up every couple uh, every year on my memories, but did anybody else see this? Anyone see anything? And, and nah, nothing. Nobody had ever reported it. Um, again, like I say, that, that white van had pulled over and the boy was hanging at his window looking up because he obviously saw it as well. But that was it. Um, I wish at the time I, I'd, I'd stopped, literally just pulled over in the road, hit my hazards and started filming but again this this is goes back to the problem of ufos doesn't it or with any kind of paranormal video footage of anything it's it would have been a lovely 8k samsung camera but filming a black sky that doesn't look and everyone knows this it doesn't look the same as your eyes you know what it's like you get one night and you see the moon and it looks amazing and the starry sky and you take a picture and it's just this wee white dot with, with a black <laughs> background so it's really frustrating and it, that's what it would have been and it would have me go me kind of pointing at a screen probably going look there's there's two wee lights there and that's a triangle but you can't see it in the camera and people would have just it would have been a nothing anyway but the human eye just sees a lot better quality doesn't it and clarity than, than camera phones so yeah it's, it's, it's those and i think this is what i can appreciate i've started doing like listener call-ins the last few months and mm. people have phoned up and shared their own stories and sightings and i get people email me and dm me and all that kind of stuff all the time sharing their sightings they send me footage and they'll be like what do you think of this and <clears throat> 99 times out of 100 it's it's just a light in the sky. It's great. Thanks for sharing. And the stories sound amazing sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'll just always take them at face value because I know what I've talked about and what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's just a story. There's one source. It's me saying I saw this. Yeah, a few other people saw it as well. There's no photos, no videos. There's no radar equipment backing it up. There's nothing like that, you know, <laughs> not a Top Gun pilot, anything like that. So it's, but it's, it's what I love. And, and you mentioned before, I always like to mention like about me being a researcher. I, Definitely not. Like I, I don't, I don't research. Obviously, I look up stuff for the interviews, but I, I like asking questions. I like talking about it, yeah. and I'm, I'm no expert in the subject by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got a lot of people that I'm, I'm lucky I can speak to, and I can find out stuff about, depending on the guests that I've got on. Um, and I think though that helps me with my style and what I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. That I don't go into interviews knowing everything about a guest. Yeah. Um, and it's that kind of starting from scratch, and you can build on the conversation and see where it goes. So. Um, I never never claim to be a journalist or a researcher. Or there's people who do a lot of work out there, a lot of hard work as well that um, they don't get the credit for. So, but yeah, but that's the thing as well. Though, although, like, it's no class as a researcher though, because you've got these guests coming on, you've got witnesses coming on. You you start forming potential in your own head. I mean, theories, and you can put a lot of stuff together. And if you're seeing if you're seeing data there, although some of it's no trackable data, I mean, but if you've got mm. Um, different witnesses coming on, for example, with callers and that, and you can pull that data together and, and, and have theories for that, and the same thing as well, with the different guests you've got on as well. 
you you start to paint a picture with it. Yeah. Like you know yourself, you know what I mean? You 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 paint a picture for even the now, what's happening the now, where a lot of the kind of um big hitters you've had on the show already, mm-hmm. for example. I mean you can you can pull quite a lot of information for that and form some type of opinion for that. Like, I mean yeah. so it's good to get people on who have maybe um seen a lot of varied opinions earlier and then getting their kind of thoughts on that as well, regardless they know as in like as I said, maybe caught a researcher is probably the wrong word for it, not I mean, but or investigator, but it's it's looking, it's pulling that data together and pulling that information together and making kind of um some kind of opinion on it. You know what I mean? So um so because you've been into UFOs and that type of subject over the years, um which what can you what's the most kind of prominent UFO case that's stuck in your mind over the years, the one that kind of sticks in your mind and the one that you kind of um, always intrigued about? Um, Phoenix Lights in, in 1997 in, in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, there's some really good documentaries online about it. There's actually a Dan Aykroyd who was in Ghostbusters. I've just mm-hmm. seen the new film, actually, and it's unbelievable. Uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, amazing. Uh, if you like the first two, then... I'll comfortably say there's three Ghostbusters movies now. Um, but Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd's mad into his UFOs, and he done a, a documentary, I think it's called Dan Aykroyd on UFOs. Right. Um, really good, and there's a whole section within that on the Phoenix Lights, and it's really well covered. And and for the, the event was over the course of a couple of nights in Phoenix, Arizona, the this whole really densely populated area in the mid-90s reported this huge V or black triangle, uh, like huge flying over the city and um, there's videos of lights hovering kind of over the mountains and um, going on and off at different times and you literally have tens of thousands of witnesses mm-hmm. this um spooked the locals that much that they they kind of reported it to the police on mass the the local politician the governor was a uh, fife simington mm-hmm. who famously wrecked his political career <laughs> off the back of this because he he made a bit of a joke of it. Now, let's say thousands of people reported this. And again, mid-90s, there's very little footage if it had been now. And yeah. this is why it's one of my favourite cases is if it had just been seven or eight years later, we would have had reasonable camera phones and you would have had thousands of images and videos yeah. of this thing flying overhead and sitting there. And all we've got just now is really distant kind of news camera footage of it, which is still really interesting. Yeah. Um, but Fife Simonton... Uh, took these reports and basically ran a press conference to kind of appease the, the people of the local, the, the kind of locals. And they were really serious that, you know, we have seen this huge object flying about overhead. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, populated area, you know, is, is this like aliens? Is it a UFO? Is it secret technology? And at the, t- at the press conference, he famously said they found the culprit and pulled someone out dressed up as a gray alien in a costume. <laughs> and it got a chuckle from the kind of local journalists and reporters yeah. But the locals hated it because he literally was calling the whole place liars. Mm-hmm. Um, he now has come out on every documentary kind of since in the last couple of years and and talked about how he saw it as well, mm-hmm. that he was told to lie about it mm-hmm. and just get rid of the story and make it a nothing. The, the official explanation was it was military flares being dropped, which yeah. is what you see on the video apparently. Mm-hmm. But if those are flares, they are hovering for a long, long time. They don't appear to be dropping. They're just kind of sitting in the distance. Mm-hmm. And uh, that doesn't equate for people seeing these things flying over the over the town over and over again in the kind of size they would have been. So it's, a, it's just it's so frustrating that we had that kind of mass sighting I think everyone would love in 2021. Yeah. 
and it was just before we had the technology to really capture it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that for me is is one that always kind of stands out as that it was very close to being much bigger than it was. Mm-hmm. Like the, the population were living after that press conference. Yeah, um, that was I totally ridiculous. But I brilliant for that. Um, what about moving back to obviously Scottish Parliament podcast? We kind of cover a lot in Scotland um, for what we kind of try and pull in this area and outer areas as well. But what's your what's the, the most kind of prominent Scottish case that sticks in your sticks in your head? What's a bit of a controversial one is the the photo that was taken in the Calvine UFO. Mm-hmm. Nick Pope's famously talked about having a, a picture on his desk um, that was taken away or taken down um, of a it's like a, a fighter jet um, basically escorting what appears to be a big diamond shaped UFO yeah. in the kind of hills of Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, now it, it's been one of those that it's been around this 20, 25, 30 years now, this story. Um, but it seems that only in the last few months information came out that one, the people taking the picture. Uh, and it was sent to the Daily Record. Have yeah. your opinions on that paper as you want. Um, <laughs> but it was sent to the Daily Record and uh, lost, apparently, the, the, the original photographs. Um, there's artist um, and CGI interpretations of it, which Nick Pope say are exactly as he used to have. Mm-hmm. Um, this big kind of diamond-looking metallic object with, the, like I say, the kind of fighter jet behind it. Yeah. But the, the people taking the photo were apparently worried about their safety, and that's why they never came out and talked about it. Mm-hmm. But apparently recently that came out, they were actually poachers and shouldn't have been where they were. Mm-hmm. So that's one reason they never wanted to come forward because criminally they were on land they shouldn't have been on. Um, there are military exercises in, the, in and around that area. Um, I think there's a US military base or there's US military use it or did. Um, that was kind of confirmed a while back as well. And it seems to be the likelihood is it was US technology, that there was something that was flying through that cavern that people shouldn't have seen. Mm-hmm. But more than likely was US tech being tested out in a remote area of Scotland. Mm-hmm. You're right next to the sea as well. So you can go in and out uh, kind of without being seen kind of remote area. Um, and that that's one that still sticks about because it looks like there was some sort of exotic technology, not necessarily though alien, but kind of really decent futuristic military tech um, that people managed to get a picture of, but they shouldn't have. So yeah, that, that's the one that sticks out for me. Other than that, there's a lot of cases, and this is, I suppose, where I see my place just now in the whole subject. I've got like the podcast, and I tend to focus on a lot of the more modern and newer stuff. Mm-hmm. When you look at a lot of the cases in Scotland, they're just they're just tales and sightings. You know, you'll hear about the the A70 incident, or there's this incident in these woods, or there's mm-hmm. they all tend to be very similar. That there were lights came down, somebody saw a saucer or a craft, and then it went away, and that's that's it. And they're all, they're all told and kept going by really old school ufologists. Mm-hmm. And I think the issue there is a lot of these folks that for the great work they've done and again, the many books they've written and the magazines they've been part of over the years and the conferences they've ran, mm-hmm. a lot of them don't seem to want to come into 2021. And you mentioned what's going on in the US government and the Senate just now. Aye. You know, the more modern sightings, the more modern <laughs> theories, some really reputable theories. We're talking about like data being backed up with like radar, FLIR cameras, pilot testimony, pilot hearing about pilots filming these things on their own mobile phones. So obviously, we don't get to see those videos. Aye. Uh, yeah, and the, the, these these guys and, and women that were involved in the subject for so long and done all this great work, their expertise would be good if they just kind of came forward into the now a little bit. But you get the feeling that people have a narrative they're comfortable with Aye. and they've been so comfortable with it for so long that they don't want to kind of get away from that. 
And I think that's what you see with a lot of the, the British cases, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's funny, but the, the one with Calvin, you mentioned as well. I mean, for that still to be a classified picture, you know what I mean, you would think you would think there's definitely some kind of US tech or something there. Flew to Macrahanish or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Probably well, somewhere that's it. the likes. Yeah, um, there was a lot of there was a lot of sightings around about that area. Um, around about that time as well, like the black triangles and stuff and uh, things like that. I mean, there was loads of stuff getting kind of sighted around about like the Ayrshire and all the kind of around about that coast, and obviously into Scotland as well. I mean, and then even the stretched over that was around about the same time, probably slightly a bit more into date, but it kind of stretched over into Belgium and all that kind of stuff with the triangles and, and all that. Um, and and I, do you know what? I get there'll be there'll be technology that the, the kind of UK government, the British, the, the US government, and any other government that's kind of hot on the heels of their tech. Some of the stealth jets look like triangles when the lights are off and all that kind of stuff. And it could be these things that are getting seen flying about. You know, you hear about what they've got now is is kind of thirty years behind what they've actually got working on, and that's right. always amazing to see and hear about as well. But with Calvin, you're right; they they reclassified those documents. And again, that was, oh, they're, they're hiding and I, I want everything to be aliens as much as the next, you know, person involved in a subject. But it's not. And you have to look at it objectively. And like you say, the likelihood is that it's classified again because the US have told them, no, you can't release that. Yeah. And it, it makes sense. There was, I agree with you as well. I mean, there are a lot of older cases and stuff. And I don't like touching a lot of older stuff. I mean, there was like, didn't I get me wrong, or someone's interest me. And I've touched on them for a... There was one in Armadale that happened, for example. Um, the guy stayed in the corner for me. Right. And he basically seen it was a upside down, like, Toblerone type thing, mm-hmm. right? And the interesting thing, just to kind of touch on this, right? So the interesting thing with that is, like, because I asked him, because I, I kind of knew him. He was he was basically in the corner phase. I don't stay there now, right? But he was in the corner phase. And I, I managed to get in touch with him. And I said, look, could you take me to the spot? And it was one of the kind of famous cases. Do you know the... the um, and this one case, the Armadale case, have you heard of that one? I've heard the name. Aye. So that one, that one basically, I wanted to go to the site and see where it was actually where it happened and stuff. But one of the interesting bits where he, I kind of roughly knew the story because you've heard it and you've read it in the books and stuff like that, right? But it was good to get his kind of point of view because the actual um, description there mm-hmm. was a slightly different from what I expected. You know? I mean, it was more like, you said it was like an upside down Toblerone. The back, it was splayed at the back. It had a kind of point on it. It was black with kind of rounded edges. You said it was about 40 foot long, 15 foot high, and about 15 foot wide in the back, but it kind of, kind of went to a point in the front. This thing came over, and it, and it sat about 50 to 100 metres firm above the ground, 15 foot above the ground, right? Mm-hmm. But um, when the police came, right, the interesting thing, I, I kind of go for the story as well, when the police came at the end, right, so he called the police, he was up there, got a, got a long story short, look at it, obviously, we're not reviewing you, right, but he basically he called the police, they came up, they picked up the inspector or something as well. The funny thing was, you know, I never heard this when he was talking about it. He said they had his slippers on. He was an inspector in the car with his slippers on. They were interviewing right. and stuff, right? And there was about three police cars there. And he said the interesting thing was, because they must have seen it. He goes, they turned the corner. This thing just kind of backed out the way it came in. And then disappeared. And he said they came in, interviewed them. A couple of police cars parked in front and they were talking to him in the car. And they realised that he was actually talking sense and he wasn't drunk or making it up whatever else, right? And he said, the interesting thing is one of the police guys jumped the fence and put a traffic cone with this thing was sitting in the field. He said, I never told him where it was. And told, because like he was in a car talking to him and one of the ones in another car did that. I mean, but I found that quite interesting. The main thing I found it interesting for us because it was around the corner for me. I mean, it was literally about a mile from my house. 
So I a- think that's that's part of the issue with the subject for me, though, as well as whenever you're talking about it, it's easier to think about it as being something that happens in, in other countries. When you try and think about, you know, being for Glasgow, or UFOs over Dumbarton, or Partick, or, you know, why a UFO flying over here, like Almondvale, flying over, you know, Falkirk, like, aye, aye. it doesn't sound right, does it? It doesn't fit, but you know, <laughs> why, why not? Why wouldn't it happen here? And I suppose it's the same if you're, if you're watching a movie and you're, you're in the middle of a Brad Pitt film and somebody with a Scottish accent pipes up, it's like, ah, oh, that seems out of place because you're so used to it. It's just like, that doesn't happen in big movies. It doesn't, UFOs don't fly over Scotland. And I think that that's kind of the issue that kind of happens with me with it a little bit as well. But why why not? Why not over the M8? Why not? And the Calvine photo, you know, fast lanes, get the nuclear kind of silos and stuff like that as well. So yeah. there's a lot of reasons to, to kind of hover about and kind of, I know Clyde Bank in, in Glasgow has got a bit of a, rich history in terms of UFO sightings and stuff as well, mm-hmm. famously getting bombed a lot, going back to the wars, and it's it's not far from Fastlane either with the, the kind of nuclear submarines and stuff. So, so yeah, but I, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of really interesting cases going going round about Britain as well. Mm-hmm. What's, what do you, what's the strangest story you've been told? It could be from a listener, it could be from a guest. Um, so one of the ones that's probably kind of stuck in your mind the most, I know obviously I've asked you one about Scotland, the one about the, one about the globe, or it might have been one you've touched on already. <laughs> um, trying to make sure it's something I was told off air that I'm, I'm, allowed, to, <laughs> I'm allowed to repeat. I've got a few um, names as well, and you guys just like. I <laughs> strangest story. Maybe come back, come back, come back, come back to me. I come back to me on that one. Yeah, just as we're talking, something will come to me. I'm just. Don't want to incriminate myself. Uh, <laughs> strangest story, okay. Um, but we're the kind of guests you've had on as well, and it might not even to do with the guests you've spoken to um, in regards to the kind of topics they've been uh, kind of touching on. It could even be just stuff you've read. It could be what what kind of thing would keep you up at night? And I'm not talking about obviously um, your kids or your dog, or if you've got a dog, <laughs> or your wife's yeah. lonely and that. <laughs> cool. So, um. This might actually, while, while you've been asking me that second question, I've thought I'm answering the first one. This might link back into it anyway. Mm-hmm. I suppose recently we've had a lot of talk, and this is this is nothing new really, but I suppose it's the people it's coming from in, in terms of a really serious investigative journalist like Ross Coulthart, for example, I've spoke to a few times, yeah. that there's potentially, you know, impending cataclysms, some kind of serious event going to happen, whether it's like a meteor strike on the earth or... It's going to be some kind of solar flare or, you know, some kind of disruptive event that yep. may or may not need some kind of intervention. And it starts going down the kind of more woo and out there route. And especially when it comes to UFOs, there's the nuts and bolts and then there's the, the woo conspiracy, more out there stuff. And, and this kind of maybe falls in the middle of it. That that for me is kind of interesting that you see an increase in these sightings when it attains to the military. There's a lot of talk, and this might be jumping all over the place now, that some of these objects may be from here. Mm-hmm. That they're not from outer space, but they're not human in this in the same breath. That they're either based underwater, they live in different dimensions, different realities. They share the same space as us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about the, the, the electromagnetic spectrum, and you know you've got Wi-Fi signals bouncing all over the place just now, but you can't see them. But they're there, and they're, they're doing a job, and there's data being transferred, and there's almost a whole plane of existence that you can't see, but you interact with via the phone you've got in your hand. But within that electromagnetic spectrum of all these different areas, in which I'm no expert, what if there were other species or organisms or life that had developed within those spectrums 
and they live alongside us and we don't see them. I mean, you, you, your paranormal podcast, all these things that will be talked about in terms of like ghosts, it would make sense that if there was another spectrum that things may now and again fade in and out, whether that be UFOs, ghosts, big feet, you know, dire wheels, whatever they might be, and they're just along different planes, and, and, and we call it, we call them what realities, dimensions, whatever you might want to call it, but they exist in all these different places. So if we share the same kind of space and something was potentially going to happen to the Earth, would something, if it was like a non-human intelligence but really highly evolved here, step in and help out? Mm-hmm. So has, that ha- has that happened before? Or to the other way, like, you know, we hear about these kind of nuclear weapons going off and that's when the a lot of the UFO sightings kicked off in the late 40s. It's because the the kids, like the human species, kind of found the matches. The kids found the matches. They found the sharp tools. Mm-hmm. And it was right, what they're going to do with it? And it's like, the, the way I heard put quite recently was about a, a gorilla in the zoo. And if you went to a zoo and you see this huge gorilla that you know could tear you to shreds, but it's, it's in its cage, it's, it's safe, it's... But somebody drops a key, and it's a key to the cage. Now, the gorilla's not going to know straight away, I'm going to pick this up and open the cage. Mm-hmm. It's going to pick up the key, stick it in its mouth, play about with it, throw it about, use it as a toy, and then you go back the next week, and the gorilla's holding the key a bit more properly. And it starts looking at the door. You're still not going to do anything, but you'll be curious. And then the next week, you go back, and the gorilla's at the door, banging the key off the lock. It's getting closer, and that's where if we've got another species watching us with that key, mm-hmm. and we're just battering it off the lock, and it's wondering what we're going to do. Are we going to be a destructive species? Mm-hmm. Or in terms of kind of nuclear technology and, and, and how we might develop, mm-hmm. are we going to kind of open the door and kind of contribute? Mm-hmm. Or, and that's when you think about cataclysms, and that's what I was going to get back to, like with, with guys like Ross Coulthard and others who have talked about this over the years, as another species potentially there to hit the reset button on, on humans. You hear about like the Mayan civilizations and you hear about rumors of Atlantis potentially being something yeah. and that humanity's got to mm-hmm. very developed levels in the past, but something happened and it went away. And had to start again. Is it something that's here that hits the reset button? And that's that's quite a interesting, obviously not a nice thing to think about. But when people say, "Why don't the governments just come out and tell us that there's aliens or there's there's something else that's not human that's really intelligent?" Got people can handle it, and you think, "Well, how would the public react if the government came out and went, look, we don't know as much as you think. There's actually something on this planet that's not human, mm-hmm. and we don't know a whole lot about it. We just know they're really advanced." I think that would panic people even more than hearing there's aliens coming from Mars or some other galaxy that all of a sudden you find out you're not the main species on the planet mm-hmm. and that, oh, well, where are they? Why are they here? What do they do? You know, how long have they been here? We don't know. What do you mean you don't know? We, we don't know. That's why we've not told you. Mm-hmm. Because it's maybe it's better to not know. And that's why like, the, the kind of US Navy's having so many encounters. The British, as much as the British government deny it, there are, you know, there's a lot of reports that go on in the background from, from the British point of view and governments the world over have all these encounters. Mm-hmm. And that'll probably let me look around to the kind of stranger stuff that I've, I've talked about or heard. And it's not entirely strange, but I suppose for people that aren't too familiar with it, that there, there are a lot of people, high-ranking, very high-ranking senior officials within different governments, but the US government especially, that they don't like pursuing this topic, which they know is legitimate, because they feel it's demonic. Mm. And that's when you start to go back to, oh, religion starts to ruin things and, you know, demons and angels. But again, if you look back, they're just labels that were put on something people didn't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, 2,000 years ago, you don't hear about flying saucers in the Bible or in the Quran or, you know, in any other kind of Torah, whatever books. Mm-hmm. There's always descriptions, though, of objects in the sky or stars in the sky or flying Roman shields. 
there's Vatican scriptures that talk about, you know, flying Roman shields, but that's how they would describe that. You know, before there was a word for the colour blue, people had to tell you what was blue, but they couldn't say blue. And that's the way people talked about UFOs. They would have to just describe it as a light in the sky, chariots of the gods, you know, star men coming down, That's all that kind of stuff. And to think in 2021 that what holds a lot of this subject back are, are Republican or Democratic or whatever, senators, congressmen and women who don't like this because they think it's some sort of demon or, on the other hand, some sort of angel. And it might very well be, but the whole thing is that they're just labels we put on things 2,000 years ago to describe strange-looking beings, advanced technology that we didn't know. And now you look at it developing and we hear about quantum physics and different dimensions, different realities, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We're just starting to understand a whole other realm of physics and technology. And maybe some of this stuff that you think of as being magic or fairy tales has actually got like a, a basis and a root and truth. But we just don't understand that yet. So that, that to me is always really interesting to hear talked about. Mm-hmm. You can imagine as well where... That, that's the kind of thing it does, like, going back to the way it keeps you up at night. And I, I get, and I run a bit where I know what you mean with the, the description of that. I mean, it's the same kind of thing for me. Like, for example, like the, the kind of somber statement. I know, like, Lou kind of described what that, what that was and stuff like that. But on that kind of podcast that I had with Kurt, looking behind what you would obviously the breadcrumbs and, and stuff like that, it's a, uh, you, you, you do think, come out of that and think, what the hell does he know? I mean, with some of these kind of things, and looking behind, obviously, behind the scenes, and for what's kind of coming out now and stuff. Let's say, for example, there is going to be some um, event, right? Mm-hmm. For everybody in the world to get on board with it, it would need to be something really, really, really big. Because you can imagine if someone just landed in the White House lawn, for example, right? Mm-hmm. And you would have other countries across the world say, "Oh, this is just a." A fabrication that's been put out by the US or whatever, or people wouldn't believe it, or some people would believe it's demonic or whatever else. Yeah. You've know, got loads of people doing different things and stuff. And then it would need to be something totally that far gone where everybody would need to subscribe to it. And yeah. it's trying to get your head around that, that thing, what it would be. And it brings me to one of it's it brings me another point. It was a, a listener, um, Mark Mack, who basically put up it, it wasn't really a question. It was the they bring up obviously the, the recent interview with Nolan on a, when he was talking about the the met materials and stuff yes, like that. Yeah. Right. So on that kind of point, we're talking about the met materials, and it was the letters attached with that. Um, and he was, I think he was linking it, but they didn't really touch on in the interview with the letters because obviously the, the phone how put off and they spoke about where they came from and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. But um, the listener basically was referring to the letters that was attached to these metamaterials. I'm not sure if it was the exact, the exact same metamaterials, but I reckon it probably was. If it's if it's came for the ones that's been uh, TTSA, it's came through them. Yeah. There, was, there was letters in there, but obviously the belief of the letters is potentially it was actually just to try and get the materials out there, and it was just a, a, no a hoax, but the letters weren't real. I'm not really sure. But what's your kind of aspect on that? What do you think? He talked about things like the chain of custody letters, like you know, this this was owned by such and such, and then it goes back to this was owned by. Ah, well, there was a there was letters there was letters attached to it, right? I think they were written to Molten Hill, which which went through a Art Bell, right? Yep. Art Parts, right? Yeah. And then um, one of the letters attached to that, we're talking about that there was going to be some event in two thousand twenty-five. Um, like some intervention or something. I mean, I think it was referring to that. I didn't know too much about the letters myself. I, I knew a bit about the letters, 
um, in that regard. But I was kind of touching on that interview. I mean, just basically kind of bring that up. I did find it also interesting as well, but the the Lincoln talking about the Havana syndrome and about mm-hmm. like looking at that aside, looking yes. at obviously the brain, like the the brain can he um, make up and stuff like that. I mean, any points on that? So the, the chain of custody in terms of the the metamaterials, there was a lot of stuff in in terms of TTSA. <clears throat> apparently, had got some of the material from Linda Moulton Howe. Um, I think there was a, a rumoured fee of about 30 grand or 40 grand paid for it, potentially. That's when Lou, Elizondo and Chris Mellon and all those guys were on board. Mm-hmm. TTSA then signed a CRADA agreement with the US government. <clears throat> Lou and Chris left and it all kind of went away. Regarding the materials itself, <clears throat> I think the... Do you know what? I'm always wary of talking about like dates and stuff like that. Cause seeing this subject or like any kind of paranormal discussion there's always something happening a couple of years away from now and it always comes and goes with nothing having happened mm-hmm. i'm always very like wary of, like dates on things like, how would you work out a date or why would why would if you're talking about an alien species how mm-hmm. do they know the 4th of march 2025 yeah, that, that's the 17th of june 2019 right it doesn't make any sense um mm-hmm. so and especially if you start to talk about beings that may experience time in a completely different way to us it doesn't even mean the same thing could have already happened for them, could could be happening again, it could happen multiple different ways. So I'm always very wary of those kind of dates and stuff as well. Um Gary Nolan, though, as a scientist, is I think one of the probably unsung, unspoken kind of heroes in all of this. And totally. I think he he yeah, Nolan knows a lot more than he than he talks about publicly. Yeah. Um I think he's he's very good at holding back. I, I seen the initial results from the, the testing was that essentially we need better equipment and we need more time and more funding to test this. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine they've got a pretty good idea of what they've got and how they need to, to test it. But there's various ways and means of doing this. Um, the, the the materials, some of those themselves were in the Phenomenon documentary where James Fox put out. Yeah. And uh, that was what you've seen Nolan and, and Jack Valet walking about with at the towards the end of the documentary as well. So I, I think they do have some interesting stuff. Um, Lou Elizondo himself has sat on Fox News and, and said, yes, I believe the US government is in you know, possession of exotic materials. I imagine quite a few governments are, the Russians, the Chinese. I, I just don't think they, they're as far down the line with a lot of this as people think mm-hmm. um, in terms of that they have all these technologies and everything else. You know, If they do have anything, I imagine they've, they've managed to, to do bits and pieces if you I don't know if you're going to mention Bob Lazar at any point, but he talks about reverse engineering saucers and craft and everything else. Mm-hmm. And if, and just my opinion is that if they do have, which they more than likely do, kind of downed whole craft, it'd be a little bit like Independence Day where they've got it, but they don't quite know what to do with it. And in Independence Day, he talks about how the, the aliens turned up and everything just switched on. <laughs> I imagine it would be a bit like that where they've got this stuff and they're looking at it going, how does this work? Like, what, what are we meant to do with this? And we've got a rough idea of this part, and we've got a little bit of this part, but if you drop a motorbike back in the 1600s in the middle of a village, they're not going to be able to turn it on or start riding it. But do you know what? They might they might work out. These wheels are useful. Or, you know, this material is useful for this. You might find a cook with it. Or, you know, use it to kind of build a roof. But it's they're not going to know it's a motorbike and what it's for. So I think a lot of that's the issue, that there's a heavy heavy weight to be put on the idea that the governments have given too much credit as to how much they know and how far down the line they've managed to get with a lot of this technology as well. 
Mm-hmm. I did find it interesting with the brain scans. Um, yeah. With the and and can you reading the transcript for it with the, the button vice? You know what I mean, but it was talking about um, not going into too much detail with it, but it was the brain scans and then can you linking a bit of it to can you Havana syndrome? You know what I mean, and Havana syndrome is obviously that's been well, you can read between the lines. It's going to be some kind of um, EMR weapon. You know what I mean, a, a microwave based kind of weapon. Yeah, I mean? and the, the thing, the thing I you know, find interest for that as well. There's like a small community of people who have got a, a condition called electrosensitivity, which is is associated by EMF and EMR, right? And I wonder if they've got the same type of it's like scan. You know what I mean as well? Yeah. Because it seems to be it's either it's either what's caused it in these people was it's unknown mainly for the fact that it's either had they've had exposure to EMF and EMR which has caused it and has acerbates it when they're in the vicinity of it. And that would probably be the same for, for example, with the Havana syndrome. I mean, if people have been exposed to something, yeah. some type of weapon, and then after that, they'd have been, if they're exposed to any other EMF or EMR after that, I mean, that probably has acerbated And it's like yeah. the same kind of linking of people have been in, for example, pilots have been next to craft or whatever else. And then there's also been um, other kind of issues kind of linked with that and stuff. Well, I found that pretty interesting in that anyway. The, the Havana syndrome stuff, yeah. Um, so the, the two schools I thought are one, you've got Russia, China, the US, etc., all have this technology, like the where they're messing with each other basically, and it'd be a great way to kind of quell politicians or spies or you know cause injuries without even having to be there, whether it's through from satellites or however they're, they're, they're using this tech. Or the other one is it's some sort of phenomenon related injury. Um, I spoke to Thomas Winterton, who's the ranch superintendent at Skinwalker Ranch, yeah. and he he has suffered from almost that identical thing a couple of times now. Mm-hmm. He talked about with me where he'd been uh, digging on the ranch, which they always say not to dig and don't disturb the land and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he ended up getting headaches and went for a, an MRI eventually. And he had a massive lump on his head and they couldn't work out how it had happened. And basically, they were saying he had a, a layer of fluid that had separated these the the skin from the skull. Yeah. And the the, the medical team at the hospital were like, we, we don't know how this has happened. We've not seen this before. Mm-hmm. And he he said the same thing. Is that something phenomenon related? That because he's been digging on the land, and is it because of what's in and around that area that's caused that potentially? But I could also see how that sort of directed energy type weapon, which are getting more and more popular, aren't they? I've just seen today the US has tested some laser weapon out at sea very successfully, and mm-hmm. and I'm sure the Russians and the Chinese have got all that kind of tech as well, or they're working on it. You could see why it would be very advantageous for one of them to have that, mm-hmm. especially to use something that leaves very little trace. Remember, famously in the UK, what, a good few years ago now, we had, the, was it the Novichok poisonings? Yeah. Where the Russian spies were coming over and they were rubbing it on like door handles to, to poison the kind of spy and him and his daughter. And I think the, the guy died eventually, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've got something that you can literally invisibly hit people with, you know, at a meeting, a gathering, an embassy, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. I get why that could be something that realistically comes out the realm of James Bond and into, into real life. Mm-hmm. I think these weapons have been about for a while. I mean, they have been there. No, no in a conspiracy sense. No, I mean, they have been yeah, there yeah. for a while and they've been developed more than and all that kind of stuff. But going back to, obviously, you, you brought up, like, Skinwalker there. Um, the same way um, Travis Taylor, he he basically, he, he could see he had some kind of um, exposure on his hand or something as well. Yeah. Um, and then you, you see at some points on the ranch as well where um, 
the EMF and the EMR just goes totally off the scale. And obviously the only way to try and to get away from it is to basically be in a, um, what do you call it, a Faraday cage. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what we went inside, obviously, the kind of, the, the, one of the kind of tin kind of huts, like, which was a, wasn't it a makeshift Faraday cage, but it worked as a Faraday cage. Yeah. Um, but all that kind of stuff, and that's what I was bringing it as well. So that, that's, that with obviously, with the phenomena, and then obviously with the, the weapons, right? It's the same type of, and obviously these people are not sensitive. It's all the same type of, um, on a roundabout way, um, symptoms. But they get out of it. And I mean, I just kind of found it quite interesting. I mean, so like, moving on for that, uh, you've had a, a lot of um, great guests on the show. And I'm not asking you just mean that you can pick out one and say he was the best. Or what, what one did you can, or if you could pick just one or a few, was the most influential um, that you've had on the show so far? Um, I, I think getting to speak to Lou Elizondo was was massive for us. You know, I was less than a year in. Um, mm-hmm. He is the kind of main guy. Some people love him, some people hate him. I was fortunate to meet him for lunch about a month ago in London. It was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to get to speak to him now a couple of times on the podcast been great. And he's he's done a thousand interviews, and I really try and make the most of when I get to speak to someone like that to not ask the same questions that another yeah. interviewer has asked them. And that's not to downplay what other people do, but mm-hmm. I, I like to think someone like that, people are tuning in to listen to Lou, not me. Mm-hmm. And try and ask them something different. Ask them in a way that they don't have to talk about NDAs or say, I can't really mention that. And just be, be clever with the question and the wording and stuff like that. So Lou is always a massive one to get and, and to do it well, that he's came back a few times and I've been lucky to kind of stay in contact with him. Um, Ross Coulter, I, I just spoke to last week for the second time this year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his book, In Plain Sight, is just there. Great Huge book. book. Yeah. Um, Australian journalist, has documentaries. He's got one uh, that has just been updated with new material. They're mm-hmm. both available on YouTube. If you just type in Ross Coulter, uh, Channel 7 for, uh, News in yeah, Australia. Mm-hmm. It's good. Really great guy to listen to. He's got some fantastic sources by the sounds of what he talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very level-headed. He's he's been running um, documentaries on Epstein, Prince Andrew, all that kind of stuff. So he's a really hard hitting journalist, and I show you. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been a correspondent in various different countries and conflicts over the years as well. If you look back through his career, and he's he's looking at being one of the first mainstream journalists to actually look at this subject properly, not like you see in the UK and the Sun or the Daily Star and all these papers that laugh and joke about it. I know, but and you'll appreciate that with any kind of paranormal. article or or piece it's always a joke and a laugh and tongue-in-cheek but he's looking at this going actually if you take a really objective look at what's going on here what's coming out of the US you know what's happening in Australia and his own country uh, with various different sightings and nuclear silos and all that kind of stuff as well uh, and incidents there's a real phenomena here and why not be the first journalist to go and, and break the story and I think he sees the merit in that and the value in it. And he's he's done a great job reporting on it. Um, and, and like just the, the, the I, I see reflected in the numbers and the analytics on the podcast that when Ross is on or I lose on, the the numbers go through the roof. Um, and they're always they're always great. And Ross is just starting his own podcast, like in a couple of limited uh, series, mm-hmm. um, with Bryce Sable, who who's a, again a guy who commentates and writes on the subject well. He's wrote a book on it. So those those two have been pretty pretty huge. Um, I've had a lot of great guests, and I really enjoy listener call-ins and speaking to my kind of regular co-host Dan. We do a lot of the news updates and break down what's happening at the minute, and 
you know, I, I suppose I, I come at it from that point of view, you know, the Senate bill that's going through, and I don't look into it in too much detail, and Dan kind of breaks it down in an understandable way, and I'll ask the questions off the back of it. Mm. But um, a, a proper, like, personal one for me that was really good was I got to interview George Knapp, who is, again, he was the guy who broke the Bob Lazar story uh, in the late 80s and has reported on this subject now for 30 years yeah. to, to great ridicule and a lot of his expense. And again, he's a really well-known prize-winning journalist. And I got to talk about his career outside of UFOs on that interview as well. But he was great to speak to. And that, for me, that was like a personal one, getting to interview someone who I think a, I respect is a really great interviewer as well. So um, I've, I've been very lucky, though, like for, for anyone that comes on to, to speak to us. Like, I appreciate it. But brilliant. I mean, the guests you've had on are really, really good. I mean, in terms of like going back to Ross um, and his book in plain sight, I mean, it's, it's really, really well pulled together, pulling every aspect of it and together. I mean, for even for people picking up the subject for the first time. Yeah. And which I find you, you can obviously quit a lot of the stuff as you've been into UFOs for a year and so far. I mean, so you pick it up and you'd be like, you'd know some of the cases in the book. But I think the concise manner he's pulled it together. And even like the newer stuff as well, where you see how it all fits in together, and it's you could easily see how obviously with Lou, Harry Reid, how all that ties in. You know what I mean? And it's like although yeah. we know it for for people looking at the subject, and they'll just maybe pulling out and maybe see Lou and, and thinking he's a a disinformation agent. Then you see all that and get it pulled together, and you can see how the other workings it why it is getting pushed out there and all that kind of stuff. And I think he's done a really yep. great job with that. And he's dad's Scottish as well, so. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, yeah. He, he was talking to us about that on the, my, my dad lives out in Australia, not far from us, cool tart there uh, as well. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a great guy and he's really good to speak to. Um, And like I say, he's, he's doing a good job in this subject. Ah, good, good. No, I mean, so going with that, you've had a lot of good guests on. I mean, and is there anybody you've um you've not had on yet that you want to get on? Uh, Chris Mellon, former Under Secretary of Defence for the United States, mm-hmm. is uh, the the other guy who, along with Louis Elizondo, has really pushed this topic forward in the last four years. He is um whenever there was was conspiracy theories about you know to the Stars Academy and these guys are in it for money. If if anyone ever questions Chris Mellon's background, if you Google his family and what they're worth, it goes into the billions. <laughs> this, this guy doesn't do work for a couple of million quid. It's it's not about that. Yeah. Um. For, for a guy who was again former under secretary of defense for the bush administration as well i believe it was mm-hmm. he uh has been in pretty high places with some pretty powerful friends making big decisions so for him to come out publicly and talk about the ufo subject to sit on tv and say look let's not write off the et hypothesis here mm-hmm. you know let's put everything on the table is it russia is it china maybe but i doubt it mm-hmm. this this guy's he's putting his reputation on the line and i think when you're at that level of wealth and and respect and power your reputation probably means more than a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. and and he's still pushing the subject forward in a very very public way so he's the type of guy though you're, you're lucky if he gives fox news three minutes mm-hmm. so he is a, a long-term target of mine to get on the, the podcast <laughs> to, to speak to um and also I, i'd love to i'd love to speak to bob lazar um again his books in the pile there um it's, it's a really well-known story. It's he's, he's had a documentary out a couple of years ago through Jeremy Corbell. And I, I just, there's questions I would have for him I'd like to speak to him about. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, he doesn't do too many interviews. Um, so that would be a, a pretty, oh, and one more if we're going Scottish actually while I'm on here. 
Um, Gary McKinnon, who famously hacked NASA mm-hmm. and apparently found, apparently, allegedly, uh, found the uh, evidence of alien life and that NASA knew about it and all that kind of stuff as well. I, I emailed Gary through his like, professional email address because he's got yeah. a business now. Um, and he very kindly got back to me just saying, look, I'm not looking any time in the future to be doing any interviews based on on that kind of stuff. But, you know, thanks. And if I ever change in the future, I'll you know, kind of be in touch kind of thing. So that would be a nice one to have on as well, but probably very unlikely given what he was getting done for. Yeah, no, I'd be lucky if we can maybe get back to the computer again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking that. Internet must be monitored 24-7, yeah. Aye. Uh, it probably his his computer probably be like an old Atari, belong to play or but but I'm a great guest to get on the show. If he's so lucky, if he can get if he can get him on, um, what was it the what was the word off world, off world, um, what was it? Uh, it was the employees. It was like something like that. Off world. I, I, I know it's off world. I'm going. If you want to carry on, I'll uh, quickly. Aye, aye, aye cool. I, I'm just—I was trying to think what it was here. I mean, but I really, really good. Um, so, obviously, you've, like myself, been involved in the UFOs and reading. You've probably read quite a lot of the books I've read and documentaries and all that kind of stuff. So you, you, you tend to kind of form opinions and form some kind of theories, your own theories and stuff like that. We, with the guests you've had on, and for probably what's happening now, has any of your opinions changed? Um, from like parts of the subject massively yeah um i, I think when i started this it was very much that I, I think it just been a sort of fan of the subject for like kind of decades now you, you you move away from oh we've got aliens coming from other planets and then it's oh maybe there's aliens coming from other galaxies and you know then you start to think the marvel films talk about it recently don't they the other universes mm-hmm and then as you kind of do the podcast, you, you talk to people about different realities, different dimensions, um, crypto-terrestrials, ultra-terrestrials. Uh, last night I was speaking to Dr. Michael Masters, and he's got a book coming out on extra-temporal extra beings, mm-hmm. which are beings that exist in different planes of our existence and time. Mm-hmm. So again, it really it's wow stuff to kind of think about and i think the more you look at it that for me the phenomenon is like an umbrella phenomenon mm-hmm. that there's a lot of things at play i think there's a lot of evidence that starts to suggest if you're if you're looking at people like Louis Elizondo and, and co if you were taking a shot every time he said his name people would be drunk by now but if you're looking at what what he's come out and talked about in terms of what if it wasn't mankind but mankind's mm-hmm. and the idea that something else shares this planet either physically or spiritually or whatever it might be um I think there's there's other intelligences here that have been here long before us. I, I just watched, actually, for the first time recently, the, the film The Abyss. Um, I'd, I'd never watched it. Amazing and, film. Yeah. I, I mean, it's I suppose I can I can spoil it because it's been out for decades now. Aye. I mean, <laughs> when you go back to when it was actually made, but it's the, the idea that there's there's alien life already here under the water and uh, they're worried about what we're doing to the planet, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you look at other beings coming from different dimensions, other, and then you've got to look at intent. Are they friendly? Are they hostile? Are they neither? And I've used the analogy. I, d- I don't know if you've ever heard, Chris. I've mentioned a couple of times about you know maybe we're just like fish. You know, if if you if you go fishing out in the middle of the ocean <clears> and you <throat> catch you catch whatever it is and you pull this fish up, 
and you pull it on the boat, from the fish's point of view, it's been plucked out its natural habitat, which all it knows is water, doesn't know anything else, doesn't, it can't survive in the air like we can't survive in space. And you pluck out its natural habitat and it sees these weird creatures, you and your mate with your waders on and you know your beers and the boat and there's lights and there's all this technology it doesn't understand. And then you throw the fish back in the water. That fish goes back to its mates and it tells its mates, guess what I've just seen? I was up there at the top. I know if they go to the dive, but it was this light. Well, of course there was. And then this thing just plucked me out. Of course it did. And then I was on this thing and it was all these, that had arms and legs and a big head and they were talking in a language I couldn't understand and this technology. And then it threw me back in the water. That fish would be seen to be mental. Like that's, that would that never happen. You're that, you're that mental fish. So then you take it from a human point of view. It's the same thing. There's something up there that in a place we can't exist or think about just now with a better technology. Sometimes it takes people and throws them back. And it's that for anybody who would ever question like abductees or why would they do that? Well, we do it to other life forms that are cl classed as lower than us. So why wouldn't something again above us be doing it to us? When you watched The Abyss, did you think when you were watching it, I wonder what the real story behind this was? It makes you wonder, like, where they get the idea from. Is that just purely someone's, ah, oh, that would be a great story? Or is it something they've heard? And I know it's something I've talked about a couple of times in the podcast. And recently, my co-host, Dan, done a show when I was laid up with COVID uh, without me on the connection between various, like, Hollywood industries and movies. And I know I spoke to, I'm going to say, Lou Elizondo again, right? And I asked him what his, his favourite depiction of UFOs was in any movie. Mm -hmm. And he said he'd only just seen it recently, but Close Encounters of the Third Kind, mm -hmm. he Amazing. thought was was pretty spot on. And he said, um, like Spielberg definitely had a, and it's always been it's always been mentioned or reported that Spielberg had kind of inside knowledge from people. Yeah, that the way that film was was made, and famously Jacques Vallée was associated with it. Mm -hmm. The French scientist in the movie is apparently based on Jacques Vallée, mm -hmm. um, who is someone that people should go up and read about if they're not sure who he is. Um, and he and he said that was that was pretty spot on as well. So I think there's been a lot of movies throughout history that kind of indicate something else or what it may be. And Spielberg done ET as well, didn't he? Yeah. So again, are there these folks in these kind of high high industries that they hear a bit about the subject, they're interested in it, they get a little bit of a a nugget or a breadcrumb of well, maybe it's this. They go away and make a movie and it gets you thinking. Maybe you should have a look at this script. Aye, basically, yeah, aye. I just, just change that bit at the end. Just, what just they were post, a, post a script for Spielberg, do just leave it anonymous. <laughs> do you know what, I can imagine Spielberg having that idea, or someone like James Cameron having the idea for the abyss, mm -hmm. and it being like, oh, it's going to be in space, and it's going to be, they're going to meet these aliens, and somebody just went, what if it was in water? What do you mean? What if it was under the water? Just go by what you've got, but who knows? But yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating that, there's that potential disclosure or soft disclosure or whatever it might be used through TV and film. Uh, the last year or two, there's been a whole host of, I think Apple have a couple just now, is it Invasion and Foundation mm -hmm. are two TV shows on Apple. I've only watched a couple of episodes of, oh, I think it's Invasion, um, again, when I was ill a couple of weeks ago. And it was all right. Um, we had um, the War of the Worlds remake yeah. that was uh, set around various different countries rather than all being in one place at the same time, and that was that was quite interesting. So there's been a lot of stuff the last few years um, that's, that's kind of depicted various different invasions or scenarios where about aliens turn up. I think one of the interesting, just to kind of finish on that about the subject, I mean, one of the interesting ones that I see coming out next year was the one um, 
they go inside the moon. Can't remember the, the, the name of the, the film. Have you seen that advertised? Oh, I saw the trailer for it's it. Yeah. Good, actually. And it's like it's like a it's a structure. Yeah. Uh, Which is a, a theory and all that, yeah. Um that, that was that was pretty interesting. I there's a few. Mm-hmm. Right, so moving on. Um well, from the start of this kind of soft disclosure, or if you want to call it soft disclosure or disclosure, um, I'd probably just say disclosure now rather than soft disclosure. <laughs> um, what revelation shocked you the most? There's been a lot, obviously, but there's, or there's been. Are you talking particularly the last four years, kind of? Aye, aye. Obviously, since since probably since. Um, the Tic Tac event obviously it was, right. it was pushed out, obviously unidentified and all that kind of stuff in 2017, anyway. So, either that or do you want me, I could follow it in the next question, which maybe even link into that, which okay, potentially, right? So, I'll you can either have two separate answers for it, or if you want to kind of link in this. So, right. um, although many, although there's been many, right? What breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs that lose left is, is stuck with you the most, so that's like. You could potentially link that into the same question. Okay. Or um, breadcrumbs alone. So yeah, it's just, okay. So I think if you went back and you watched those interviews over the last two and a half years, or only two years really, he's been doing them publicly, properly, mm-hmm. outside of unidentified. There's been a real shift and change in what he's talked about and how much he's talked about. And you mentioned that Cut Dry Mungo interview, Theories of Everything, that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky to speak to Cut before he done that because he was asking about some of the questions he was going to be asking. And mm-hmm. myself and my co-host Dan were speaking to Cut about what he was going to talk to Lou about because mm-hmm. um, I just interviewed Cut a few weeks before and he's a really nice guy. I'm really interested in this subject. But to get to the point now where a couple of years ago, Lewd on the mankind versus mankind's. What if there was a what if it wasn't just us? And I think I touched on that obviously before about if there was something else that was on this planet already that shared this planet but wasn't human. Mm-hmm. And that was an idea he mentioned. I then I suppose I can answer your question as the first part as well. My first interview with Lou, I followed up on that question mm-hmm. and it hadn't been asked before. If it had, no one's mentioned it since and at the time, no one said it had been. And I said to him, look, Lou, you famously said this. And I've never heard you follow up on it. Could you expand on that anymore? Mm-hmm. The idea that there's mankind's and how it would affect us. And he used the example of uh, a cigar or a cigarette. And he talked about the, if you've got a cigar mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's part of it's burning, you've then got the part that's already burned. And then you've got the bit that's still to burn. Mm-hmm. Think of that as time. Mm-hmm. And he said, the part that's already burned, the ash, that's the past. The part that's still to burn is the future. But then you, you've got this cherry, as he called it, the part that's already lit and you can see is burning away. And that's the present. That's a moment. But if you look at that closer, it overlaps. It's not perfectly symmetrical. The cherry, you can see if a cigarette or a cigar or something's burning, it's, <clears> it's, it's at different points, top and below, where it overlaps and changes and burns quicker at different points. And he said, what if there was another species, just for talking sake, that could exist in all those moments at the same time? Mm-hmm. What if they could go back and forward in this present, but go back five minutes and forward five minutes? Maybe that's part of what we're dealing with in terms of this technology and what may or may not be be around. So that was always really interesting to me, that 
it really hit home that there's something else sharing sharing where we stay. It's not necessarily like us or looks different and kicks about under the ground or under the ocean, but it's got a rep, it's got a presence here, it's got a technology that allows it to kind of kick about here as well. Kick that's very Scottish, isn't it? To say kick about this planet, <laughs> kick, kick about the kick about the US Navy. Um and then he expanded on that to answer the second part of your question even further with, with Kurt Jai Mungo mentioning that there's there's indications now that around 70,000 years ago, human genetics were, were tampered with, that at the time we were far from being the kind of apex predators on this planet. Mm-hmm. But at that point, we got a boost and suddenly we became the top dogs. And then we've came a hell of a long way in a very, very short time since then. And when you look at them go from maybe it's mankind's not mankind to then talk to me about what if there's another species that experiences time differently to us and can go back and forward mm-hmm. to then well, there's potentially something that is here, has been here, and is actively playing a part in our own evolution as a species. I've found that as a soft disclosure or breadcrumb that he's, mm-hmm. he's woven and added to as he's went on over the last kind of couple of years. And for me, it makes sense thinking back to when you hear about like abductees mm-hmm. and families being like like um, hereditary that within your family, if your grandfather was an abductee, your father was and you were and potentially your, your kids are going to be and that can happen and it's in the genetics, it's in the blood that maybe for for another species that experiences time differently to us, they're, they're not picking up somebody 70 years ago and then 50 years ago and 30 years ago. For them, that could happen in an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's go pick up the, the grandfather. Let's have a look. Let's study. Let's do whatever we're doing with the DNA. Cool, put them back, right? They go in, they're in their shit. And then for them, they go, they go forward 30 years. They're essentially time traveling, but mm-hmm. it's just the way they can exist and the way they experience time. They go back down and it's not Chris's grandfather, it's Chris. But then they could go back and see Chris's father. Then they could go forward and see Chris's, you know, grandkids three three generations down the line. Mm-hmm. So that for me would make a little bit of sense as to to how these things keep tabs on people, because for them it's five minutes. For us, it's seventy years, eighty years. I, I did find that interesting that that comment with uh, or comments referring to um, markers in the in the DNA. And and it also kind of falling on for that what um, John Ramirez says in your podcast when he was kind of um, I would have caught a breadcrumb probably maybe caught a slice he'd maybe mm-hmm. left a few slices um, but um, I a link in that and you know what I mean so if you kind of look behind that I mean potentially looking at like we could be high, we could be the hybrids rather than looking yeah. at the if you're looking at any kind of abduction scenario going back maybe say 20 years ago or maybe even slightly less time in that and there's a lot of different theories out there there's a lot of different camps on what they think it is or good or bad or whatever but the whole kind of thing with that is like if there was a hybrid kind of thing looking at looking at obviously with the the witness cases and that are out there it's all intergenerational i mean it makes more yeah. sense it does it makes it does make more sense in that sense i'm saying it's it's, it's real or whatever but it makes more sense than just making a hybrid race. Why would you go back through intergenerational and you know that kind of stuff? Yeah. So um, I, I found that really interesting. I did. I did also find uh, John Ramirez's comments on the radar and all that um, really interesting as well. Um, really, really knowledgeable on that, and quite enjoyed that as well. So, um, do, 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 do you think? Probably, like, that's. Do you think disclosures 
stagnating any or is ramping up? No, I tend to go along with the idea now that it depends what people's definitions of disclosure are. The the idea that we're going to get the UFO in the White House lawn landing is probably not going to happen. And there's the something that only came up a few months ago. I think someone of my guests mentioned it to me was people complain about let's it's always the US government because the US government's the leaders on this, whether we like it or not, they are. They're the ones advancing the conversation most at the moment. Mm-hmm. That they're not to be trusted. Um, conspiracy theories abound. They covered this up for 75 plus years. Yet we're waiting on them telling us what the facts and the truth are. So why is it on one hand, we don't trust what they've done and why they've done it. But on the other hand, we're waiting on disclosure from the government. So I think what we've got as much as we're going to is that the, the US government's came forward and admitted they've got an interest in UFOs and yes, they exist and no, they don't know what they are. So there's there's your disclosure. Yep, they're real. That, that the US government's come out and said, yes, UFOs are real. We have studied them. We we actively funded a program to the tune of millions of dollars to study them. There's something to it. We don't know what it is. And now we've got to the point where there's a bill just been passed yesterday, the National Defence uh, Act, which as part of that sets up a, an office to study essentially UFOs or UAP. And it's going to be funded and it's going to be serious. It's going to be legitimate. There's going to be levels of transparency that we hope are, are pretty big. Um, and this hopefully kicks that conversation onto the next level. So for me, I think we move away from, we've got disclosure in a way that they're real. We know that. The government's admitted that. But I think what we move towards now is more of a confirmation. And it depends on what your line of thinking is as well. Whether the US government have bodies in Roswell locked up or... They've, they've given the private aerospace industry or they've got flying saucers or not. If they if they admit to that and they come out and say, look, Chris, going to be on your podcast next week and Biden comes on and says, okay, here's the bodies. Here's where the aliens are. Yes, they crashed in the 40s. They've crashed since. We've spoke to them. Then a lot of people get into a lot of trouble at that point because over the decades, there have been cover-ups and lies and there have been deaths. And you look at, you talked about the pilots who have been exposed to various levels of radiation, will be owed millions and millions and millions of dollars in compensation. There would be, there would be trials in court, there'd be congressional hearings, people would go to jail. It would be really messy. And there would be being for blood because the government slid, they weren't protecting us, all that kind of stuff. They were hiding technology that, you know, why are we still sending up space shuttles? Why are space shuttles blown up? Why are commercial aircraft blown up or crashing? when you've got anti-gravity technology, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I think what would make more sense, not that it's right or wrong, but I think what we'll get, and we probably have to accept to move forward, is more of a confirmation where they'll, they'll play ignorant and find out along with us. And that could take years, but maybe maybe one day we get Bill Nelson of NASA come on and say, in conjunction with the, the UFO office in the US, um, we've managed to pick up some interesting satellite imagery of an object that we believe not to be human. There's your announcement. It's not aliens, but we've seen an object. Maybe nothing else for a couple of years. A couple mm-hmm. of years down the line, we're still studying this. It's been funded, and we've we've managed to to find maybe a few of these are on this planet as well, and it develops from there. And they kind of discover it along with us. Mm-hmm. A bit do, like do, if you're in your group of mates and you know a secret that your your mates having a fling that it shouldn't be, but none of your other mates do, but you don't want them to know, and then they all find out, and you go, "Oh, that's that's terrible, that isn't it?" Like. Maybe that's what the US government's going to do and be like, oh, apparently there's something else. Apparently they're alien, like, and we'll, they'll study it along with us. And that 
that gets rid of all that blame uh, and consequence for the, the previous 75 years. Just additional to that, um, although everything's happening, right, and it's all going in the right direction, to a certain degree, um, do you worry that it contracts? Yep. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, there's, <laughs> a, there, there's a lot of people who, even though we're so far down the line, who are at the point they would say that, that the genie can't go back in the bottle. That That's it. We've, it's, it's all going full steam ahead now. Of course it still could go away, because I do see as much progress as we've had, it's got to keep going. There's no kind of end in sight yet with this, and I don't think there will be for a long, long, long time. But I, I do see where those more old school ufologists, people maybe in their, their 60s or 70s who, who say they've seen this before, I get that. Mm-hmm. Because there was talk of it at the UN in the 80s and it never quite went far enough. There was, you know, other like Project Blue Book what was what it was, but there have been times throughout the last kind of 75 years where it's been a hot topic. Yeah. And it's went away. Yeah, maybe it's not went as far as it has now. We never had social media like we do now, which is a huge influence because yeah. all of a sudden breaking news in the US is breaking news in my house and your house within 30 seconds because we see it on Twitter, we see it on Facebook, your, your apps all flash up. They never had that back then. So it is harder for it to go away. But I think people still have to be curious and ask questions. The mainstream public definitely need to get the mainstream scientists as well, mainstream uh, media need to get on board and have some serious conversations. Mm-hmm. And it still shows you that while there's interest in the US, that interest like goes up and down like a roller coaster in terms of the mainstream media reporting. The UK is still a joke. Mm-hmm. Still still a laugh here. It's still mocked in the news. You don't see it in the BBC or ITV or Sky News mm-hmm. without the, the newsreaders kind of having a laugh and a bit of a, a smirk with it or the, the X-Files music playing, you know? So that's that, there's still a long way to go. It gets a small, you know, a small snippet at the end of the news, and it's never talked about again. Yep. Or it's it's a small snippet in a, a newspaper, and that's the thing as well. It's like the mainstream media really needs to get on board with it because it's you. It's frustrating. Your, your average man in the street or woman in the street, um, you you've probably came across it yourself. You maybe talk about it or bring it up or something, and they don't know anything what's going on. And you, yep. it's like you, you've you've not got the the time to actually explain it all to somebody because it's so vast. Yep, and yep. there is obviously, you, you maybe put something in the right direction. We say, right, listen to that podcast or listen to this or listen to that or or whatever. But it's um, there's still people who, through reason, don't know it and don't want to know about it. People are, some people have got the, are, are basically got fear and they don't want to know. Like, yep. my wife's in the camp where she believes in stuff, but she doesn't want to know because she just doesn't want to know what's there. Yeah. So you get people in that kind of camp and then you will get people who believe, obviously. But I think you're right in what you're saying, like the mainstream media has to really play a better part in what they're doing and stop treating it as a joke, you know what I mean? And, and things like that. So we can kind of just run down. So I want to just do a kind of parlable rundown just make it just gonna run through this pretty quick if you want. I mean, so thoughts and theories um with the below. So we're gonna cover some stuff that we're gonna go through. So alien alien abduction, I'm gonna touch that a wee bit. So what's your kind of theory on alien abduction? I mean, I know obviously you've got guests on the show and you've discussed certain points I've kind of brought up already. What's your own kind of theory, alien abduction? I think it definitely happens. I think there are some serious, real, legitimate cases. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it could be put down to mental health issues or trauma going back into people's childhoods and, and stuff as well and it's a way of people dealing with certain things but I think there are some real genuine true cases you probably don't hear about it as much in modern day because mental health is so prevalent now 
Mm-hmm. Whereas the, the Travis Walton stuff or Calvin Parker back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, mental health wasn't really talked about. And if people came out with those stories, you believed them or not, they were crazy. Or actually, some of those stories like Calvin Parker and Travis Walton, Betty and Barney Hill, the famous first one, mm-hmm. those, those hung around. Whereas I think if those same stories happen now, mm-hmm. it wouldn't get reported on. Or like you say, it'd be a joke in a newspaper. Nice. Or it'd be a story online. So people probably don't come forward. The, the true the true genuine experiences will tell you when you see them on social media, especially on Twitter, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of laughter and derisory and derogatory comments and you get why people kind of shy away from it. But for me, 100%, it, it does happen. Mm-hmm. Totally. Do you ever get people on the show who who just maybe want to offload their experience, but you don't want to, they don't want you to relate? Do you ever get that? Um. I've, you know, I've not done much on abductions, to be fair. I, I did have Calvin Parker on um, way back at the start of the podcast, and it was less of an interview, and I just let him tell his story mm-hmm. because it's, it's a well-known one, but it was fascinating to listen to, and Calvin Parker's getting on in years, and his health's not been fantastic either, um, especially in the last year. He's had some, some issues, but I, I think it is one of those where you do just have to let people tell their stories or... I just had some um, experiences on recently, actually. I've done like a little series of, of interviews with experiences. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just let them tell their story. I ask a few questions, but I'm not there to prove it's true or false mm-hmm. because maybe it has happened in their mind. Maybe it did happen, really. And there's also the idea that, you know, imagine you're an abductee, Chris, and I'm in a non-spooky way. I'm standing over your bed watching at night. And you get abducted and you wake up in the morning and tell me about your experience. But as far as I saw that night, you never left your bed. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a, a an abduction of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So it's, you have went there and you have had that experience, but just not physically. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's those aspects to it as well. And the conversation does get pretty wild and crazy because you start hearing about different types of beings and, mm-hmm. you know, procedures and all that kind of stuff. But I'll just go back to the, the fish analogy that, we do some pretty weird and wonderful things to, to animals on this planet. <laughs> what about um, aliens among us? Bob Bigelow famously on 60 Minutes um, said that they were right under our noses. We don't have to go looking out in space for them. Um, that comes from a place of knowledge for a guy who obviously Bass was a, a huge uh, defence contractor as well for the US government. They were heavily involved with OSAP at Skinwalker Ranch. Um, he is a, a billionaire, again, with nothing to lose but reputation mm-hmm. and he said himself wasn't it I don't, I don't give a damn what people think of me because I know this is true so yes to what extent I don't know are they literally you know passing by you in the street when you're going to the shops mm-hmm. probably not however you, you look at the genetics the DNA manipulation if that's possible and are, are they here but like I said when you look at those like electro- electromagnetic spectrums or the, the visible light spectrum are they around you, but you just can't see them? And again, that's where I, I would tie it into things like, you know, ghosts and spectres, apparitions and all that kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. What about future us? I think time travel, as we see it in the movies, isn't necessarily what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are, there are beings, like has been said, that experience time in a different way to us. That isn't a clock going forward. That isn't a line A to B. I think you've got those kind of like Mobius strips, as, as you've seen, that go around in different ways and beings can go in and out. So for them, they go along a timeline in a different way to us and experience it in a different way. Um, and I think that would make a bit more sense. But 
it goes way beyond my intelligence levels and, and intellect and understanding to go into any further. So I'll link the next two. I've got like Skinwalker Ranch and window areas, but let's, let's just talk about window areas. So the idea you've got these different places on the planet that for whatever reason seem to be easier for beings or activity to happen, whether it's they can come in and out easier, and mm-hmm. um, whether it's like a conductivity thing, you know, like electricity conducts well through water. Is it a case that these craft can can manifest easier in different places? I've wondered about, you know, if these objects are based here, but they're seen in space. For example, the, the Tic Tacs were picked up coming in from, from 80,000 feet by the, the radar, but they came in from higher than that. They were, they were just picked up on the radar ceiling of 80,000 feet. Mm-hmm. So if those, if those objects were in space, is it a case of that they, they're behind the moon? Is it a case of they travel a great distance? Or is it a case of they can come into our reality or, it, you know, physical plane, whatever you want to call it, through the through whatever space is and that material, it's easier for them to, to exist. And same when it comes to, you know, different windows or areas on the planet, Stonehenge, you know, different nuclear facilities, is it just a buzz in certain places? Skinwalker Ranch obviously being the, the most famous one. Is it just an area of highly concentrated energy or activity where these things can kind of pop in and out? But like a interdimensional motorway, maybe, would be a, a good way to kind of think of it. And it's a slip road off. That's, the, the mad thing I kind of thought with the window areas is uh, if you had, and there is there is probably them that probably is no seen as well for the fact that you could have a window area slap bang in the middle of a populated area, and you get multiple multiple kind of phenomena in these kind of places and these kind of things, and that's what I touched on. One of the kind of things that you, I think it was on Twitter, you get the obviously you get the area in Scotland, right? Bring back to Scotland again, so you obviously get the. Call it the Falkirk Triangle. The Triangle obviously went well, well for them, Falkirk. I mean, it was kind of yeah. a central belt kind of thing, right? And um, hundreds of sightings within, a, within like a short space of time. Like, let's say it was, it was over kind of spanning about 10 years, hundreds of sightings. So within that area, like, I think what I was kind of thinking as well, where what caused that? I mean, for the fact that I look at that way, because you look at Skinwalker Ranch, we were talking about earlier on, where obviously if they're digging the ground or the drill or the DX, Y, and Z, it causes phenomena to appear, to present itself, to happen. You, and this could be nuts and bolts craft, it could be a cryptid, it could be something totally off the chart. But then maybe something happened in somewhere like that where I, 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 I wasn't using it as a thing, but an analogy was, well, you've got like the M80, for example, which yeah. has been built right through that time, turning up loads of ground and did that cause it? And you, you, I mean, you never know. I mean, these things could be anywhere. Just waiting to get kind of, um, I don't know, touchstone, you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, it could be electricity pylons, like you say, getting <laughs> built in the area. It could be mobile phone masks cause cause the frequencies to change, and or it's a signal. It could just be pure. That's where they that's where they populate that mm-hmm. just that area because mm-hmm. the I think road. it's like the <laughs> the planet still is high. The slip road as populated as densely populated as it is. If you throw a stone from space. The likelihood is you're going to hit water, and if you do manage to hit land, the likelihood is you're going to hit desert, and if you don't hit desert, you're going to hit forest. So there's still a lot less of the planet actually covered in in the population than anything else. So that that's why we probably, like you say, that there could be something over a over New York or over Paris or Glasgow or wherever. But the likelihood is it would be over the water or over the desert. Hmm. Um, cryptids. So we could maybe talk about, we'll just maybe narrow it down. Let's go for Bigfoot. 
not a subject I know loads about. One of them where I saw the same videos as everybody else. And as I suppose I could even link it into like Loch Ness, where is the planet that big that there could still be other species roaming about, living in densely populated forest area and stuff? Loch Ness is one of those rare ones that it's one big, yes, very big, but body of water. Mm-hmm. So surely we would have seen more by now or it would have died off. But then maybe it can go in and out to sea, but probably unlikely. But then Bigfoot, why not? Why, there surely is, must be a lot of species on this planet that we haven't found yet mm-hmm. that are, are living in maybe small numbers, hidden away as we kind of knock down all the forests on the planet as we're currently doing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're probably going to get rid of a lot of species anyway, unfortunately, um, which we're, we're trying to reverse obviously just now. But I, I think there's there's something to it. I think it's one of those things that's very <laughs> regularly and very easily hoaxed. Demonic. Demonic. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a label for something that we never understood um, a long, long time ago. Uh, and if we have had something that has popped in and out of our evolutionary stages to to help or hinder or just observe, mm-hmm. then it makes sense that people then would have described it as you know demonic because religion was the big thing. Whereas, you know, there would have been times where it would have been wizards and fairies. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a point where, what would we call them now? You would say aliens, because that's the terminology and the languages we're used to. Mm-hmm. In 2,000 years, would it be something totally different? Potentially. Mm-hmm. But again, I honestly think it's just a label. Andy, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate your time tonight. Uh, if you want to add anything else, or are you... No, it's been good. It's been nice being able to... Um, speak with my normal accent and uh <laughs> people are going to understand it which is don't, nice don't, don't worry folks i'll slow it down <laughs> <laughs> i i sent a voice message to a, a friend in the us the other day and she replied saying i think something was wrong with that it's sped up and i listened back to it and it wasn't sped up it was just the way i was speaking walking the dog um but yeah um, if anyone wants to listen to the podcast it's that ufo podcast i'm usually on twitter 24 7 you can ask the wife about that um it's uh, at ufo uap am or if you just search that ufo podcast and it's available on every podcast platform you can get including youtube as well what's what's next have you any guests coming up soon uh, yeah so i just spoke to uh, dr michael masters last night that'll be coming out monday the 16 17 18 19 20th uh monday the 20th for everybody it comes out a few days earlier on patreon and stuff like that um, but again, if people haven't heard it before, you're not going to want to get and pay for something you've never heard. But it's always free anyway, uh, after a few days, just with the adverts and stuff. Um, Michael Masters, I've then got Frank Milburn next week. Um, really good guest to speak to. And I've got, given it's the end of the year and things will slow down a bit, myself and my co-host Dan are going to be releasing a review of two documentaries. One of them just came out, The Observers. Had like Richard Dolan, Jimmy Church and all that in. I've almost seen um, that one yet. I'll tell you about it when you stop recording. Yeah. And uh, if you're interested in the subject, worth, worth checking out. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't pay 15 quid for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other one's multidimensional, which I don't actually think has been released yet. Um, I got a screener for it, and that is uh, mainly Australian-based, Peter Maxwell Slattery, mm-hmm. talking about a lifetime of you know orbs and observations and entities and, and all that kind of stuff as well. So a bit more in the woo spiritual side of things. Uh, but we're doing a review on that and... And yet into the new year, um, I've got lots of ideas for, for guests. I've um, started reaching out. To, I don't plan too far in advance, but 
Ross Coulthard will be back on at some point. Uh, looking to get George Knapp back on. Lou Elizondo's coming on to do a follow-up on his listener questions show. Mm-hmm. And then again, it will be getting into speaking to, to other journalists, researchers, scientists, um, and just hearing some new voices as well. Oh, ideal. Listen, well, uh, thanks very much for your time tonight, and I appreciate you coming on. You know, it's, uh, you're quite busy with what you're doing, holding a job as well, and uh, dealing with the kids and stuff like that. So, wish you a good holiday at Christmas time, and uh, I'll hopefully catch up with you New Year at some point. Uh, genuinely, anytime, uh, anytime. I'd be happy to come on as long as I'm free. Uh, like I say, it takes up a lot of my time at night, but again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and all that to you, the listeners, and, and everybody else. Cheers. All right. Thanks very much. I'll catch you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.